Psalm 23. I will start by reading the text. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let me pray for us. Father, we once again come to you today on on your day, on the Lord's day, and we thank you, Lord, for sending your Son, Lord. We thank you for calling us into fellowship with yourself, Father. We thank you for giving us the gift of your Word so that we can know you more, so that we can uh, know who you are, so that we can know how to live, so that we can know how to live a life that's pleasing to you, Lord. And we thank you for all the the precious promises that you have in your word for us, God. Uh, worth more than all the silver and the gold in this world combined, Father, the, the promises and the truths that are found in your word. And so, Father, I just pray, God, that you would take this text today, these six verses, and through the power of your Holy Spirit, God, that you will bring encouragement to your sheep who are here today. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So Psalm 23 is probably known, at least in my mind, in my, in my time on this earth, in my, uh, just in my life, known mostly for being read at funerals. That's, that's what I've always thought of Psalm 23. Um, and, it, and it does, it's meant to bring comfort to God's people, so it would bring comfort to God's people during those difficult times. But, but as we'll see, there's much more to to be applied to the life of the Christian than, than those just being at a funeral. And, and, and obviously it's not for the... I think maybe in our culture we, we apply it to the person who passed away, but in actuality it's for those of us who are alive. That's, that's, where this, that's who this text is for. And it's for God's people. It's for God's sheep. That's who this text is for. Um, that's who it's meant to minister to. And so I think it's important to remember also that Psalm 23 follows Psalm 22. uh, Which was what? A foreshadowing of the cross. That's what Psalm 22 is. A foreshadowing of the cross. Where what happened? The shepherd, right? The shepherd that we're going to read about here in Psalm 23 is where he laid down his life for the sheep that we saw uh, him speak about in John 10. So it's really interesting that it comes off the heels of this description of of the cross in Psalm 22. So as we read this today, guys, we know that our our shepherd that we are reading about today specifically okay, um, is the one who gave his life on the cross, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our great shepherd. And that's who we're going to read about today. And I pray that you can find... Comfort in this today, no matter what you're going through in life, um, that God will comfort you with His truth. So if you have your outline on the back, the theme today, or the main point, I guess you could say, would be this. As our shepherd, the Lord supplies all our needs. 
giving rest to our soul. And He is always with us, leading, guiding, and protecting us all the way home. Which we know that this is not our home. We are passing through on our way to the celestial city that Christian talked about in Pilgrim's Progress. So He is with us, beloved. Our shepherd, He is with us. He is with you. I want you to... to uh, I went back and forth on these, on these points today and even in our theme of using the plural, our, us, or, or using just you. Because this is meant to minister to you as an individual lamb, as an individual follower of Jesus Christ. But of course, we are the gathered body today, so we are looking at how the, our shepherd leads us. And so, very simple today. We're going to look, we have six verses, and we're going to look at six different things here. So, as our shepherd, point number one is in verse one. As our shepherd, our shepherd satisfies us. Oh, I hope he satisfies you. I hope he satisfies you. In verse one, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We'll look at that first line for a minute. Really, the point number one is in that second line that we shall not want. But he says, the Lord is my shepherd, Yahweh. Yahweh Ra, and specific, specifically, R-A-A-H. It's, it's the, it means the pastor of His people. The specific name for Yahweh. He is the pastor of His people. The shepherd, the provider, the preserver, the, the director. He directs our lives. He guides us. He leads us. And so a good shepherd, not just a shepherd, but a good shepherd was known for supplying all of the needs for his sheep. That's what a shepherd did. Shepherd provides the needs for his sheep. And we need to remember who wrote this. David wrote this, right? And David was a shepherd. He tended his father's sheep. So, so he has experiential knowledge in this whole shepherd-sheep language. He knows, he, in other words, he would know what it means to be a shepherd, to lead the sheep, and he would know the characteristics of a sheep. Of, of sheep and how how needy they are and how really just to be blunt how dumb they are sheep are not very bright and they needed to be led and so David would understand that as he's writing this and so a good shepherd was known for supplying all the needs for a sheep and in the same way a much greater way so does our shepherd he provides for us beloved he provides everything that we need <clears throat> Of course, this is not just any shepherd we are talking about today. Okay, He gives us the shepherd-sheep picture so that we can have a picture in our minds. But this is not just any shepherd, but this is our great shepherd. This is Yahweh Himself who is leading us. If I'm not careful, I'm going to have to buy the LSB translation because I really like using that word. But Yahweh is the one who is leading us. Beloved, understand that. Specifically, again, the Lord Jesus Christ, who referred to himself as Yahweh in John chapter 8. And so, so we, before we move on, really, to look at the, how he satisfies us, just to, to comfort you today, who is it that your shepherd? Our shepherd is Yahweh and he is omniscient. That means he is all knowing, guys. And so as a shepherd supplies all of the needs for his sheep, he knows your needs. We may not know all of your needs. 
You know, we know each other's needs as we're as we share them with one another, and we can be of help. We can pray for one another. But but God, He is omniscient and He knows all of your needs. First of all, He is also omnipotent, which means He is powerful. He is He is able. He not only knows your needs, but He's able to help in the time of need. Is it warm in here? Yeah, she checked the thermostat. It's uh, it's set for a certain temperature, but it's not down there yet. So I don't know. I feel it too. Um, but our shepherd is omnipotent. He is able, in other words, guys. He doesn't just know what you need, but He's able to help you at just the right time and just the right way. In Colossians 2, verse 3, speaking of Christ, it says, "...in Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge." So, so he, he, he knows all of our needs. He's strong enough. He's powerful. He's able to help. And He's full of all the wisdom and knowledge. So obviously, He would know exactly how to minister to you. How to lead you. This is an, and in other words, He is an all-wise shepherd leading His sheep. So just find comfort in that. That God knows what we need before we even ask. And so He can truly guide and direct us. And He says this in verse 1, The Lord is whose shepherd? The Lord is my shepherd. You notice David doesn't just say, the Lord is the shepherd. He is the shepherd. But David makes it personal. Really one of the most important words in this, in this, in this psalm is that David says, He is my shepherd. And so although I have addressed the points to the corporate body that he, that he satisfies us, make it personal. He satisfies me. And He satisfies you. He is your shepherd. If you're in Christ... Then this great shepherd, this one that is the creator of the universe, the one who holds the universe in the palm of his hands, is the one who came to this earth and put on human flesh. That's the one. He laid down his life for his sheep, and David says, He is my shepherd, He is our shepherd. And if you're in Christ, He is your shepherd. So that's the question we must ask is, is He your shepherd? If you're in Christ, then yes, He is your shepherd. If not, then He is not your shepherd. This is a very personal, it's very individual. And it says this, really to our first point, our shepherd, we we see it, our shepherd satisfies us. David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not want. That speaks of the Lord as being able to satisfy us. In other words, that that phrase, I shall not want, it really means that anything that is truly necessary in this life or the next, I don't he, he he supplies it, in other words. I'm not in want. I'm not in need of anything. Because he meets my needs in this life and in the next. I shall not want. Not just I am not want, but I shall not want, even to the point. That when we stare death in the face, I shall not want. I am ready. He he has satisfied me. You see, we may think, even 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 as God's people, we may think that we need certain things. 
And there are certain things that are good. There are certain things that we desire. But God in His wisdom, in His infinite wisdom, knows exactly what we need and when we need it. And sometimes we don't understand that, but we must, we must trust Him in His Word here. That the same way David says, I shall not want, we can have that same confidence that I, that I shall not want. And, and, and really to, 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 see, the, to the, see the comparison... Have you noticed how the, the, those in the world, they're always in want. It's never enough. It's never enough. It's never enough because nothing is ever going to satisfy that deepest desire in the heart that they might not even be aware of that only Christ can satisfy. He satisfies us. He satisfies the deepest longings of the heart. We were made in the image of God. We were made to know God. We were made to love God, to worship God. And so nothing, if you're searching elsewhere, nothing's ever going to be enough. But with Christ, what is there? There's rest. No matter matter what's going on in the life of the believer, doesn't mean we're always abiding in that rest, but there is rest. What did He say? Come to Me. All you who are, all you who are, who labor and, and who are weighed down by your sin and and all of the things in this world, and I'll give you rest for your souls. Really what it's speaking of is there is contentment in Christ. We can be content in Christ. Whether we have much or whether we have little. What did Paul say? It's learning the secret of being content with where God has you. And I say that with, with, with compassion and grace because we go through very difficult seasons in this life. All of us do. But it's, but it's really learning, guys, that Christ is enough. And so I ask you, is Christ enough? Is He enough? That's what we all have to ask ourselves. Because in the end, He's all that's guaranteed. In the end, everything that we have is going to... We're going to have Christ. Either we're going to have Him or we're not. And so in the end, that's... He, he, he must be enough for the believer. I shall not want. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Christ is enough. Even while facing death, Christ is enough. Listen to Proverbs 15, 16. Better is a little, okay? Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and turmoil with it that comes with it. Hear that language? This is the opposite of the mindset of the world, right? Accumulate more and more and more. And what comes with it is all of the turmoil, all of the envy, all of the jealousy, all of the lack of contentment. How can people have literally everything that this world has to offer and be the most depressed, the suicide rate is through the roof. It's because these things don't bring satisfaction. Okay? These things don't bring satisfaction. Only Christ does. James 1 verse 11, it says, the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. The Bible warns about not chasing after these things of the world because they're never going to satisfy. They're never going to satisfy. Only Christ satisfies. Do you remember what the first question is? Guys, in the Westminster short, Shorter Catechism, man's chief end, or what, what is the chief end of man? 
Man's chief end is to what? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And of course, there's Scriptures to back that up. That is the greatest thing we can do is to, is to glorify God and enjoy Him. Do you know God wants you to enjoy Him? He is a tender shepherd. He loves His people, as we're going to see as we walk through this. He wants you to enjoy Him. He wants you to find satisfaction in Him. No matter how much you may have or how much we don't have as far as material possessions and family and, and friends and all of these things that are blessings from God, but He wants us to enjoy Him and to say, Lord, You're enough. You're enough. No matter what you take me through, You're enough. So first of all, guys, be encouraged that, that, that He satisfies us. Secondly, He nourishes us. As our shepherd, He nourishes us in verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Do you hear the you hear just the calmness in that language? You know, picture it in your mind. That's why he uses these these illustrations, right? Of of physical sheep. And just just imagine green, plush, fertile, grazing grounds, quiet waters. It's a, it's a place of beauty, it's a place of calm. And I think these green pastures, guys, refer to nothing else than the Scriptures for the believer. The Scriptures themselves. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon said. Right? When in doubt, go to Spurgeon. No, but it's, uh, I think it's very clear that, uh, that that's what this is talking about. But listen to what Charles Spurgeon says. What are these green pastures but the Scriptures of truth? Always fresh. Okay? Always fresh. Always rich and never exhausted. Right? You can just you can feed on them your whole life. And we'll be feeding on them throughout all eternity. He says, sweet and, and full are the doctrines of the gospel. Fit food for souls as tender grass is, natural nutriment for sheep. So these this green pasture represents the, the fertile food that God has given you. Okay, as his sheep, he has given us guys the the scriptures to 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 feed upon, to nourish upon. He nourishes us. It says in verse two, it says he he makes us lie down in green pastures. He makes us lie down. You know, sometimes he does that through trials. Sometimes that we're not going to the green pastures like we should. So he literally makes us lie down. It's like he, out of love, obviously, he brings things into our lives to get us to the scriptures, to get us to looking up. He makes us lie down in green pastures because of his love for us. And again, sometimes he does that. Many times he does that through trials. I mean, if we're just going on in our life and everything, we feel like we're not in need. We can we can become very independent feeling. But as sheep, we must rely on our shepherd. And so He knows again what we need. He knows. He knows when we need just the right trial. Because again, guys, this life is... We've got to remember. Keep it in perspective. This life is... This life is very short. And so God is short. God is shaping you and forming you. And He does that many times through trials. We find rest in His promises. That's the point. We go through trials... And obviously, we should be going to God's Word whether we're in trials or not. 
But we find rest. We find rest in His promises from His Word. Which, what, do they, what do these promises do? They nourish us. They strengthen our souls. From God's Word, this rich, this, this green, fertile food that He gives us. And as believers, there's no reason to search elsewhere, guys. There's no reason to search elsewhere for this fertile food when you have the Scriptures. Listen to what Ezekiel... You don't have to turn there. You can jot it down. But listen to what Ezekiel 34, 14 and 15 says. I will feed them in good pasture, and their grazing ground will be on the mountain heights of Israel. There they will lie down on good grazing ground and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock, and I will lead them to rest, declares the Lord. That's the language David's using here. Obviously, we're speaking spiritually. But the Lord feeds us. He feeds us through His Word primarily. And then in John chapter 10, verse 9, Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters through Me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. So He says in verse 2, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Again, just picture this in your mind. Green pastures, quiet waters. I don't think the picture is necessarily stagnant waters. Because that wouldn't be really fresh. But it's not roaring rivers either. It's a place where the sheep could go and find just, just, a, just a soft flowing stream. Fresh. That's the picture here. Freshness. He leads me beside quiet waters. This is a place of refreshment for the believer. A place of cleansing. Listen to Isaiah 55.1 Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. We see that promise in Scripture. Revelation, in the book of John, here in, have come to the waters, right? Jesus is the living waters. Listen to Titus 3, verse 5, and then I'll expound what I think this is referring to. He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. So I believe, again, I will agree with Him, I believe like Spurgeon that these quiet waters represent the graces and influence of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. These quiet waters along next to the, the rich green pastures. The, uh, Thomas Watson says this, the Word of God is the library of the Holy Ghost. You can't separate the Word from the Spirit, in other words. That's what we see here. This is where we're going to find, this is where you're going to find, this is where our shepherd leads us to His Word through the ministry of the Spirit. Remember, He didn't leave us alone. He gave us His Holy Spirit. In other words, our shepherd nourishes us. He refreshes us through His Word and Spirit. And so are you letting Him lead you? Are you letting Him? Are you allowing Him to lead you to these green pastures and quiet waters? Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't compare him to a cattle rancher, 
driving the cattle, but gently leading the sheep. And so are you being led by Him? Are you being led by Him? Thirdly, He restores and guides us in verse 3. He restores and guides us. Verse 3, He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. That word restores is very important. It literally means to return or turn back. To return or turn back. So it could be, think of the Christian life. Think of the different things that we all go through. If you've walked with Christ very long, these are just a few that it could be referring to. So when you think of that, that word restore to return or turn back, it could, be the, it could be the backslider that's out of the will of God. And the Lord, being the shepherd, restores him back to the fellowship. Right? We've all been there. It may just be for a short little time, but we, we, get, we, 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 we stray a little. And so the Lord, as our shepherd, He restores us back to where we need to be. Could be the spiritually downtrodden. The spiritually downtrodden, the spiritually depressed. And our shepherd, because he loves us, because, right, he's omniscient, he's omnipotent, full of wisdom. He is able to restore us back to that confident joy that we have in Christ. He restores us. He he restores us back to health. Could be spiritual, could be physical. But our shepherd restores us. And he does so primarily, again, through his promises and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't do so primarily through a conference you go to on the weekend and hear your favorite speaker. He can assist in that. But he does so through a consistent diet, right? Think of a diet, guys. You're going to be healthy if you're consistently eating those things that are healthy. Not once a month on a weekend. You go, you know, you get some good... I can be guilty of that. I think I'm doing good because if I eat that one, I'm, I'm going to be good. No, but it's through a, a, a continual healthy diet is really where the Lord brings this spiritual health to us. And it says He, uh, he guides me. He guides me in the paths of righteousness. That word guides is just another word for leads. He guides, He leads in the paths of righteousness. These paths, just think of of one's life journey. It's representing our life. Proverbs 4 verse 26 says this, Watch the path of your feet. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. In Proverbs 5.21, For the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and He watches all His paths. Beloved, He guides His people. He, he guides you. He's, he's guiding us. Why do we need to be guided? Why the language that, that, that the Lord leads us, that we need to allow the Lord to lead us? Because what does the Bible say? Isaiah says, All we like sheep have what? Gone astray. That's the picture. Sheep go astray. They wander off. And we might not realize it, but if the Lord in His sovereignty was not continually guiding us, keeping us on that path, we would stray off like the old hymn says. I don't remember the words, but I'm thinking of one. That we would wander. We would stray. But our Lord 
is our shepherd. And He leads us. He leads us in these, in these paths of righteousness. <clears throat> he guides us, in other words, into to safe paths, straight paths, so we don't wander off like the sheep. The right ways, in other words, these, these paths of righteousness, the ways of truth, the ways of holiness, and the ways of righteousness. Again, how does He do it? Through the guidance of the Word. Through the guidance of His Word. What does His Word say? His, His Word is a light to our path. He guides us. Through the Word, through the illuminating power of the Holy Spirit, He enables us to choose the right path, right? Why do we, how can we make right decisions based on the Word of God? Because, because the ministry of the Holy Spirit enables us to make right decisions, wise decisions. But it's all because He is leading us. And He does so because He loves us. And then also by the Spirit's power, we are able to continue in Him. We are able to continue to follow after Christ. Not because we're so good and we're so righteous, but because the, the power of the Holy Spirit and the new birth. He is our shepherd. He leads us. He gave His life for us. He laid down His life for His sheep. He saves us. He indwells us with His Spirit. He guides us by His Spirit and His Word. And then He enables us through the power of the Spirit. This is the narrow path that Jesus describes in Matthew 7. It's not just a narrow door, but it's a narrow path that we walk on. Right? It's narrow. It's, it's constricted. And He's the one that keeps us on this narrow path. These are the paths that are going to lead us most directly to our final destination. Remember Christian's journey and Pilgrim's progress to the celestial city. It was a narrow, sometimes very difficult path. But it was a path that He is leading us. He is guiding us. There is protection in this path. And He does so for His name's sake. It says, He shepherds His people for the, for the glory of His own name. In other words, for, He does it for His reputation. And then we obey. We obey because we love Him. We obey to honor Him. All glory, right? We sang about it. All glory goes to Christ. What did He say in John 10? No one can snatch us out of His hands or His Father's hands. In other words, we will endure to the end. As we're going down this narrow path, we will endure to the end. Why? Because we're so holy? No. Because He preserves us. And so who gets the glory? Christ gets the glory. He will rightly receive all the glory, not just in this life, but think about it, for all eternity. For all eternity, we're going to be worshiping Him and giving Him the glory that He rightly deserves. As we talked about in Nahum, He is the only one that deserves glory and worship. He's the only one that is worthy of it. Now, are you allowing Him to guide you? Are you allowing Him to guide you or are you being a stubborn little lamb? Which we can all be at times. We must be willing to allow Him to lead us. To guide us. And then, and then verse 4, maybe, maybe the most 
I guess you could say, well-known, popular portion of this psalm. In verse 4, we're going to see that He comforts and protects us. He comforts and protects us. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. So the shepherd would have to... Really, maybe a picture on the front of your bulletin. Um, would somewhat describe it in our, in our, in our mind's eye. That the shepherd would have to, to lead the sheep through deep, dark ravines and valleys that would literally... They, they, they would be so deep that it would, it, would block, it would keep the light out. And the shepherds would have to lead their sheep through these tight, really dangerous areas. It says, it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that literally means a very deep shadow or deep darkness, like those, like those ravines, like those valleys. That's the picture. Through a very dark and dismal valley. It's a very dangerous, full of dangers all around when these shepherds would have to lead these sheep through these dark valleys. That's the picture here. It's not... Look at what the text does not say. It does not say the valley of death. It never says that. And that's why I think, and, and I'm not, obviously I'm not being critical at all, but I think it's misapplied many times. But it's, it's not speaking of the valley of death, but the valley of the shadow of death. The shadow of death. And so remember, for those who are in Christ, the sting of death has been removed through Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Death has been defeated. Swallowed up in victory. Abolished. And so for the believer, only the shadow remains. Only the shadow remains. This text is for God's sheep. This, this text is not for the goats. They cannot claim these promises. If you're not in Christ, you cannot say, I fear no evil. You can say it, but you should fear evil. But for the believer, death, is, death no longer has mastery over us. We need not fear death because it's been defeated. Only the shadow remains. The shadow is harmless. Now, a dog can bite you, correct? But the shadow of a dog can't bite you. It can only maybe scare you in your mind. So we should not fear. Why should we not fear? He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. But he says we should not fear. No evil. No evil. We should not fear the devil. Now, I'm not saying don't have a healthy respect for him. Don't think that you're going to fight the devil on your own. No, we fight the devil with the truth of God's Word. But we need not fear him. We need not fear death. Death is called the king of terrors in the book of Job. So it, so it, is, it is a terrible thing, but we need not fear death because our king conquered it and we are in him. We need not fear evil men. What can, what's the worst thing evil men can do? They can kill our body. 
but not our soul. And Jesus said, don't fear those. So we need not fear any evil. Why? Because He is with us. Where is He with us? In the valley. The valley is in this life, beloved. It's the things we go through. He is with you today. He he is with you when you receive the bad news that we all receive in this life. He is with you when you receive that health report. Dear brother, He is with you. He is with you when you receive the, the bad news. Maybe about your job. Maybe about the death of a spouse, a loved one. The, 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 the examples are endless. The things we go through. This is the valley of the shadow of death, beloved. We are approaching death. And it can get very dark, but your shepherd is with you. He walks with you. He is with you when you are going through that estranged relationship. Maybe because of your stand for Christ. And those in your family and your friends reject you and you feel all alone. You're not alone. He is with you. He is with you when that desire of your heart has not been fulfilled. He is with you. He, he is with you. He is your shepherd. Take comfort in that. We don't know why He allows us to go through the things we go through other than he is, He's got a purpose in it. He's conforming us to Christ. He knows what's best. He is the all-wise God. But he, one thing we do know, He is with you. He is with you. As your shepherd. He is the one who shed His blood on the cross for you. If you're His sheep. For you. And He sealed you with His Holy Spirit. And He promises never to leave us or forsake us. He is the all-wise God. And He is our great shepherd. And He says, Your rod and your staff, they comfort Me. Your rod and your staff represent really just His constant care, beloved. He's not with us some of the time. He is with you all of the time, 24-7, even when you're sleeping even when you're having a bad day, even when you fall into sin, as, as His child, He is with you with His constant care and protection of His sheep. The rod would be to, to, to ward off and to club down wild animals, to protect us from danger. The staff to keep His sheep under control. He is walking with you today. The rod of His Word and the, the, by the power of the Spirit. What does it do? Again, it, it comforts and protects us so that we fear no evil. This is a short pilgrimage, beloved. Very short. Some of you are much younger than I. A few of you are older than I, but it's all very short. I mean, it's just... We've been reminded in our life. Just, just It seemed like one after another. Some of them old. Some of them younger. And death is a reality. Boom, boom, there's another one. I forget the statistic. 
It's either one person every two seconds or two people every one second on average passing into eternity. So, so but while we are here, we are going through the valley of the shadow of death and sometimes the valleys get very dark. Why? Because we live in a fallen world. We live under the curse until Christ makes it right. But know this, your shepherd is with you. Your shepherd is with you. And, 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 and the other sheep who love you are with you. We're walking this thing together. So fifthly, we see in verse 5, He provides us with the best. He provides us with the best. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. As our shepherd, did you know he's also a host? That's what we see in this language here. He is a host. The host of a banquet. You can turn here if you'd like. Or you can jot it down. Isaiah chapter 25. I'm going to read three verses. Isaiah 25. In verses 6-8, through we see this banquet language. Isaiah 25, verses 6-8. through The Lord of hosts will prepare a lavish banquet for all peoples on this mountain. A banquet of aged wine, choice pieces with marrow, and refined aged wine. And on this mountain He will swallow up the covering which is over all peoples, even the veil which is stretched over all nations. He will swallow up death for all time. And the Lord God will wipe tears away from all faces. And He will remove the reproach of His people from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. And in those times before entering the banquet, the host would anoint the guests with oil. So this is some of the language that David is using. And so what what does our shepherd anoint us with? Beloved, what does he anoint us with? He anoints us with the Holy Spirit, is what the Scriptures say. At salvation, and then continually on in our Christian life. The ministry of the Holy Spirit. Listen to 1 John Chapter 2, verse 27. John says, As for you, talking to the people of God, as for you, the anointing which you receive from Him abides in you. And you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as His anointing teaches you about all things, and is true, and is not a lie, just as it has taught you, you abide in Him. We have let the charismatic people steal that word away, but it's not a bad word. We have received the anointing of the Holy Spirit and continue to throughout the Christian life. John MacArthur says God's Holy Spirit guards and guides the true believer into truth. So that's what's going on here in that verse. The anointing that we receive is the Holy Spirit who abides in us. And so I believe that verse 5 is just a beautiful picture of our fellowship that we have with the triune God. We have fellowship with the Father. We have fellowship with the Son, our Shepherd. And we have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Our fellowship is with our triune God. which The, the, the Trinity is a, is a demonstration of relationship. 
That's how we know God is a relational God. There is relation within the Godhead. And so we, are, we participate that through, through the new birth, through, through being born again. This fellowship that we see, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and have anointed my head with oil. And it says, uh, yeah, in the presence of my enemies. This fellowship that we have, God, is in the presence of our enemies. In other words, while the world around us, while the world around us, it's, the world around us seems like it's going crazy. It rages. Rages against God. We just see darkness all around us. Insanity all around us. Persecution in certain places, in certain times in our life. And this, this language is, is um, while all this is happening, maybe even down in our personal life, maybe we have some very individual, direct enemies that so vocally oppose us. The language here is, but we have fellowship with God. There's peace with Christ. We're safe with Christ. No matter the opposition. We're, we're resting. We're finding our rest in Jesus Christ. While all this opposition is going on, we have true rest and true peace for us. It reminded me of a, of a guy just a week ago that, that, that was attempting to harass me on my Facebook. And, and this reminded me because I just went through it. He was, he was literally making threats on my Facebook and, and just kept on showing up and I would I would delete his stuff and block not because I was like furious because I was just I didn't want that stuff on there and then he would say are you mad yet are you mad yet and, and as I read this I'm thinking no no I wasn't mad my, my peace and fellowship wasn't bothered at all he can do what he wants to do I have peace in Christ but that's what that's what the that's what the enemies of God want to do. They want to try to stir you up. They want to try to revile you and get you to revile in return and these type of things. But we have peace with God. That doesn't bother our peace. Listen to Philippians chapter 1. It reminded me of this text. Philippians chapter 1 verses 27 through 30. If you want to jot it down or you can turn there. Philippians 1. 27 through 30. And, and really, really, and then I want to look at verse 28, but 27 through 30, Paul says, Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, in no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you, and that too from God. For it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for His sake, experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here to be in me. But verse 28, he says, in no way alarmed by your opponents, so when your opponents are raging and, and, and insulting and maybe, maybe in certain times violently persecuting. But you're not alarmed by your opponents. It doesn't affect your peace. 
It doesn't, it doesn't throw, it doesn't make you abandon your faith. You still keep loving Christ. You still keep loving them, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation to you. In other words, our peace, our peace during persecution, beloved, can be used by the Lord as a mighty witness. When the enemies of God see that, man, they, they really don't, it doesn't throw them off. This thing's real to them. They have true fellowship with God. He provides us with the best, beloved. We have intimacy with Him, even in the presence of our enemies. I mean, you think about the guys that have been burned at the stake and was a witness during the whole time. They, they died praising God. What a witness that must be. The, the man that I've told this two or three times, but the, the man in the, in the documentary, uh, Tortured for Christ, the story of William Wormbrand, was it Richard Wormbrand, when he was in the Romanian prison and just starving to death, bone skinny, and the guards would just abuse them and abuse them and abuse them. And, he, and this one particular guard came by and saw Wormbrand praying and said, Why are you praying? Your God hasn't answered anything. We just continue to abuse you. We've taken everything from you. Why are you praying? He says, I'm praying for you. That's the picture here. It doesn't take our love of Christ away and even our love for those very enemies. We have peace with God. And then he says, my cup overflows. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. This is the cup of blessing or salvation. The abundant life. Even in the presence of my enemies. I have peace with God. I know whom I have believed and am convinced He is able to guard that which I have entrusted Him for that day. This, this is the peace that passes all understanding. This is what's in this text here. The peace that passes all understanding, our fellowship with Christ. Nothing in this world, no, no atomic bomb, nothing in this world can affect the true peace of the believer found in Jesus Christ. Nothing. He drank the full cup of God's wrath on the cross. Our shepherd did so that our cup of salvation overflows in the abundant life that He gives us. That's a pretty good trade-off. That He drank the cup of God's wrath. We, because of His grace, get the cup of blessing. Overflowing. He provides us with the best, beloved. He provides you with the best. He is your shepherd. He cares for you more than any man could ever care for you. Any leader could ever care for you. Your shepherd. Your shepherd. And so do you thank Him daily for such abundant provision? That's what you and I can ask ourselves. Do we, do, we, do we take it for granted or do we truly thank Him for His, His provision? Do we thank Him for His protection? Do we thank Him for the fellowship that we have with Him through His Word? And then lastly in verse 6, He is with us throughout time and eternity. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Goodness and kindness, goodness and loving kindness, goodness and mercy will follow us. Following us, like, like, much like the, the shepherd's sheepdogs would, would help him lead the sheep. 
these graces of goodness and loving kindness. Think of His goodness as as that which supplies all of our needs. Really, that we looked at at the first. That's His goodness that supplies all of our needs. What, What did He say in Matthew 6? Remember? He takes care of the little creatures, the little sparrows that we deem as insignificant. But our shepherd says He takes care of those. Will He not much more take care of you? He takes care of the lilies of the field. He will take care of you, beloved. He will provide. He does provide. Why would He not provide for us? He has commanded us to be His witnesses and to proclaim the Gospel to the ends of the earth. Well, we got to have food to do that. Do we not? I mean, I'm not a smart man, but if He's told us to do these things, He's going to provide for you. He's going to provide for you. This is His goodness. Just His care for us as a shepherd. He knows what we need. Sometimes we think we need much more than we really do. And that's just His abundant blessings. And praise God for that. But His loving kindness and His mercy... So think of His goodness as that which supplies our needs. And His mercy as that which forgives our sin. Our greatest need is a result of His mercy. His goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. In other words, beloved, His loving care, this tender shepherd that has you in His eye. Remember the big eye on the Lord of the Rings? (laughs) But that's the way the shepherd's eye is, except it's, it's there to protect you. It's not hunting you down. It's there to protect you. That eye would be more for the unbeliever. His eye is upon you. And judgment's coming. You need to turn and repent. But for the believer, His loving care will follow us throughout our entire life till we take our last breath. This, the temporal goodness goes throughout this life, ends at death, but the spiritual blessings are forever. They go on and on and on and on. But these but but even in this life, these these mercies and these this this tender care of our Lord, it's like the manna that fell every day for the people of Israel in the wilderness. His mercies are new every single morning, beloved, for you. Don't take that for granted. You're never gonna wear God out. Confessing your sin too often. You cannot confess your sin too often for God. His mercies are new every morning. And that's just a statement. That doesn't mean that they're not true in the they're not there in the afternoon. They're there every day, 24/7. His mercies are there. He is with you, beloved. No matter what dark valley you are going through or you will go through, he is with you. He is with you through the valleys and the mountains. He is with you. His presence never leaves you. He is the only thing that is guaranteed in your life. He is the only thing guaranteed in eternity. Jesus Christ Himself. But He is enough. And He does give us many other things in His sovereign will. But one thing that I can say to you with absolute assurance is He will never leave you nor forsake you. And He knows knows what we need when we need it. 
And so no matter what you're going through, do not fear. Do not fear. Even death's chilly water should not frighten us. We can stare death in the face. And like Paul says, it's been defeated. Where's your sting? And so if you'll turn your Bibles, we'll, this will be the last Scripture we'll look at and we'll close. Romans chapter 8, some of the most comforting words in the Bible. Romans chapter 8. Really just another picture of, our, of how our shepherd cares for us. Romans 8, verses 35-39. through Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Let me just stop there for just a second. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? There are many who would love to. The devil would love to. Many of his servants would love to. If they could just separate you from the love of Christ. If they could just get you to deny your faith. If they could remove God from reality, they would do it. The... the the serpent and his, all of his seed, all of his offspring. If they could do it, they'd do it in a heartbeat. That's the point. That's the point he's making. They can't. So Romans 8, 35-39. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation? Many of you are going through tribulation. And if you're not, you will. And we are too, and we will. Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Those are verses, beloved, those are truths that you can find comfort in no matter what you're going through. No matter what you're going through. Paul literally thinks of anything, everything. Oh yeah, in case I forgot, anything else that's been created. Nothing can separate us from His love. Nothing. He is the great shepherd who laid down His life for you as His sheep. You are the apple of His eye. So as God's adopted child, beloved, know that He's always with you. And so like David... Make it a point. Make it a point and goal to live as it, as it says in the last line here in our, in our psalm. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Make it a point. Make it a goal to live in the light of His presence. Is this talking about being with the, in the Lord's house on the Lord's day? Yes. But don't limit it to that. God, this world is God's and everything in it. And so make it a goal in your life to live in the light of His presence in this life while you're living every day. And then look forward.
forward to the day when we will see Him as He is and will finally experience the full rest of our souls that He promises. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, such a great promise we have in Your Word that You are a shepherd, that You are walking with us, that You will never leave us and never forsake us. Father, I just pray that in ways that I cannot do, that Your Holy Spirit would apply these truths to Your people, Lord, and that would that that they would find the application, Lord, to apply to their, their own hearts through the ministry of Your Spirit, Lord. That they would find comfort in these truths. That we would remember, God, that we are loved. We are dearly loved by the most powerful sovereign one in the universe. The only sovereign one. So, Father, thank You for these promises that You are a shepherd that You love us, that You lead us, that You guide us, that You know what's best for us. Even when trials are best for us, Lord, we, we, we don't always understand it, God, but we trust You because You are good and You are perfect. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.